Well, we are here to celebrate that the grave could not hold the body of Jesus down. I'm Petey Crowder, executive pastor here at CPC, and I'm so glad you have joined us for Easter. A few years ago, I was working on staff at another church, and my father-in-law called about Christmas time, and he said, I want to take the whole family on a ski trip over spring break. Can I send you some dates? And we said, sure, send them. So he sent us some dates, and I looked at them, and I said, oh, those look great. And so he went about booking airplane tickets for all of us and locking down reservations and buying lift tickets and just preparing for the trip. And then as time got closer to the date, I realized with horror that I had agreed to a spring break ski trip over Easter. And I, I had to, with uh, a lot of fear and trepidation, and, and some might say courage, go and tell my staff, hey, I know Easter's in a few weeks, but I'll be skiing. But I say, if you're a pastor and you find yourself on the slopes on Easter day, you should at least ski with the Easter bunny. If you can't tell, my youngest child is in that picture somewhere. <laughs> Just be careful, kids. The Easter Bunny can be ruthless. Easter comes every year, and sometimes it even slips up on pastors. But as Christians, we come back to this day to remind ourselves that what we believe is rooted in a person and an event. And that event is the resurrection. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Pretty good. <laughs> but the resurrection matters because it is the resurrection of Jesus who was the Son of God. It's not just any old resurrection. It is a resurrection of Jesus, and we believe that that transforms the world and it transforms our lives. And so this morning, we're going to look at a text in John chapter 10 where Jesus talks about what it means that his death and resurrection transforms the life of the world. So turn to John chapter 10. If you have Bibles, the text will be on the screen, and the Pew Bibles will be slightly different than the translation I'm reading, but would love for you to follow along. These are the words of Jesus in John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Let's pause right there. Do you remember that time where you were on that team and your coach really wanted to get you fired up? So he said, come on, guys or gals. He said, let's play like the sheep. No. When we think about telling ourselves stories of what a meaningful life would look like, what it means to be courageous and intentional and, and to go after life the way we desire, we don't think about ourselves as sheep. To be honest, we prefer a slightly cooler animal, like we'd rather be a pride of lions or a pack of wolves or even a herd of buffalo, but sheep? What's Jesus up to? There's a backstory to why Jesus calls himself the good shepherd and why he calls us the sheep. And this text where, where he says, I am the good shepherd, is what is known as an I am statement. For 
obvious reasons. There are seven I am statements in John's gospel. And using the I am statements, what Jesus does is he identifies himself with God and also with what God is doing in the world. And he's also hearkening back to an earlier story. So in the Old Testament, there are books called prophets, books of prophecy. One of those books of prophecy is called Ezekiel. And Ezekiel lived in the time after King Saul and King David and King Solomon and God's people in the Old Testament had just fallen apart. And God comes to them in the, in the prophet Ezekiel and he says, you have fallen apart because you've had leaders, kings who have led you astray. They have been rotten and selfish and unjust. And your nation is suffering because of it. He calls them bad shepherds. But Ezekiel also says that one day God will come and do something. He will send a new kind of leader. And that new kind of leader will redeem and restore God's people, Israel. And not just those people but then that redemption would be made clear and available to all the people on the earth, to all of humanity. And Ezekiel calls that new leader the good shepherd. So when Jesus shows up and he says, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. What he's saying is that I am God and I have come to do the thing in the world and in the lives of all humans that only God is capable of doing. So let's keep looking at John 10 and what Jesus says the good shepherd does. Verse 12, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. Pause right there. If you think about it, we all have shepherds in our lives. We have people and even things that we lean upon, that we trust in to lead us, to guide us, to shepherd us, to take us places that we think are good for our lives. We have shepherds in our life. But if we're honest, many of the shepherds in our lives aren't really good shepherds. They're really just hired hands. They might look good at first. But Jesus says, when trouble comes, when problems arise, when the wolf strikes, many of those people who look like shepherds and things that look good for us, they run, they fall apart, they don't work out. Many of us can think about even a time recently where we have been let down by something big or small. Maybe your car you thought was dependable stopped working for you. It let you down. Maybe a friend didn't show up in the way you expected them to. Maybe a mentor or a leader in your life experienced significant moral failure and it just threw you off and crushed you a little bit. Or maybe you were just following the directions on your cell phone and the battery died at just the wrong time, right? We have things and people in our life that offer to lead us, to guide us, maybe even to protect us. But what happens is they stop working. They fall apart. 
And there's nothing necessarily wrong with them, but they're not good shepherds. And they don't nourish and feed our soul. A good shepherd is necessary because there are constant dangers to the sheep. Life just keeps coming, doesn't it? The little wolves come every single day to steal our joy, our patience, our peace, our hope, our love. The little wolves come every single day for us. I ran into a friend this past week and I said, how's it going? And he's like, man, it's been a hard week. I said, bro, it's Monday. <laughs> it was. But doesn't life feel like that? Sometimes we can't quite put a finger on it, but just life feels crazy and busy and out of control. And, and it's because the wolves come every day and we need a good shepherd to guide us through the ups and the downs of life. And the good news is, in verse 14, Jesus continues and he reiterates, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Let's stop right there. This past week we saw the tragic news of the burning of the cathedral, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Sorry, I'm from Alabama, so my, I have a hard time saying things fancy. The cathedral at Notre Dame in Paris was burning. And we all kind of watched in disbelief and lament and horror as this beautiful place of worship in Paris was in flames. And what I found fascinating was in the hours and days that followed as I was on social media, as I was on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, I saw so many people that I knew who had taken pictures outside of Notre Dame that they had had family pictures or vacations to Paris. And at some point I thought, am I the only one I know who hasn't been to Paris? <laughs> Apparently. And I didn't even know. I knew a lot of these people. I didn't even know they had been to Paris. They had been to Notre Dame. Here's the thing. We might fall into the trap of thinking that's how Jesus knows us. That we're like one of his hundreds of thousands or millions of social media followers, but he might occasionally see our family vacation photos or that quote we posted one time that was really clever, but he doesn't really know us. And that's not true. See, the good shepherd has intimate knowledge of each and every one of his sheep. I want you to imagine that we're in a town and that there are two flocks, one coming from this side, one coming from this side, and the flocks are coming towards the middle and they're like rival gang flocks. And they're coming to meet in the middle. And they, they come together and they just tussle and they're, they're having that. And it's just two groups of, of sheep just mixed together. And to you and I, as casual observers, we just go, it's a lot of sheep. They all look the same. But if one of the shepherds went outside of the middle and he started calling his sheep one 
by one, the sheep would pull away and start to follow their shepherd. Why? Because he has intimate knowledge of them and they have intimate knowledge of the shepherd. They know his voice and they follow him. Jesus, the good shepherd, has infinite capacity to grow his flock, but also know intimately every single one of his sheep. Jesus says, there are those who don't even know they're in my flock yet. And they've never heard my voice, but when they hear it, they'll know I am their good shepherd. So if you don't think that you have an intimate knowledge of Jesus, the good shepherd, or frankly, maybe if you don't even want an intimate knowledge of Jesus, the good shepherd, Jesus knows you. And he hasn't given up on you. And the good shepherd is pursuing you. Let's continue in verse 17. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take it from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. Now, being city folk like most of us are, we might not be very familiar with shepherds, and we might imagine that shepherds were soft, peaceful, meek, gentle, just sitting around cuddling with sheep all day. That wasn't true. Shepherds were fierce, rugged, and adventurous. They had to be strong enough to pick up a grown sheep and put it on their shoulders and carry it for miles. They had to be courageous enough to fight off lions and wolves with just sticks and stones. They had to be field medics for sheep, and sheep got injured all the time. Shepherds were not pushovers. That's what Jesus is saying. You see, there are people at this very moment when Jesus is saying these words who are plotting and planning his death. And he throws it in their face and says, you cannot take my life from me. I can only lay it down of my own choice, but I'm not at the mercy of anyone. You see, Jesus has the choice to lay his life down and he has the power to take it up again from the dead. Jesus was the fierce shepherd working in lockstep with the Father's plan to rescue the world. He talks about his Father over and over and over. Why? Because they're doing this together. Jesus does not suffer at the hand of God. He is God suffering on our behalf. When the wolf goes for the flock, he wants the sheep. He doesn't want the shepherd. He wants the sheep. But if the shepherd gets in the way, he'll take him down. Jesus says what he'll find is, though the shepherd may fall, you'll never get to the sheep because you can't keep the good shepherd down. He'll never be beaten. Friends, you have a Redeemer 
a protector, a defender, a savior. You have a good shepherd. You do not have to live in fear of the wolves that come every day to threaten your life. You do not have to live in fear of sin or death or brokenness. Instead, because of Jesus facing death and rising from the dead, you can live in freedom and in joy and in forgiveness and in love and mercy. We have a good shepherd. Jesus is the hope of the world because he laid down his life on the cross and then he took it back up again and rose from the dead and showed that death had no more power. Death has no power over Jesus. And when he's our good shepherd, it has no power over us. He is risen. risen Let's pray. Holy and loving God, we thank you for who you are for how you love us, for how in Jesus you come to the earth and you suffer on our behalf that we might know eternal life, that our lives are endowed with meaning that is deeper than the here and the now and that you walk with us both here and for eternity, that you protect us and lead us and guide us. I pray that you would be our good shepherd today and all the days of our lives. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Amen.